the battlefield is in your mind. That's the, the most precious commodity in the earth realm is the mind. You agree? Right? Not only is God vying for your minds, but the enemy is vying for your minds as well. As Revelation 18, 11, 16 states that in the last days, the intellectual property of the soul will be one of the commodities bought and sold in the marketplace and used to drive entire economies. We're seeing that. We're seeing that, right? displayed every day in the news, uh, and it hit home. Everything is hit home. It's closer to home. It's no longer in that state or this state. It is in our own homes. And I, I want to just make that clear uh, to bring that even closer. Um, it, let me just talk about the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, 11, 32. We all know it's a compelling story that shows how the enemy works against us through our thoughts. In this story, we see how the God of this world seduced an uninformed young boy into wasting his substance, his time, his talent, his treasure, his gifts, his ability, his inheritance, his anointing, his experience, and on and on. When the average person thinks of warfare, images of war-stricken places are conjured up. Very seldom does a person think of the mind as being the battlefield. So there are a couple of realities that this story brings out about spiritual warfare. One, the battle is not with the flesh and blood, right? Uh, the son himself demanded his portion of the, inher of the inheritance so further down, he, we see that he quickly wasted his substance with riotous living in verse 13. So if you understand that what it means to be a child of wealth and means, you will know that this son would have been reared in an environment where financial stewardship was paramount. The fact that he demanded his inheritance before time and squandered it foolishly tells it that something or someone got a hold of his thoughts, telling him lies about what he deserved and that he shouldn't have to wait to receive what is due him, right? So uh, in Ephesians, let me see, the son rebelled against everything that his father would have taught him up to that point. And that kind of rebellion is indicative of a demonic spirit at work. Spiritual warfare in its purest form is the counsel of the human mind by any other spirit other than the spirit of the Lord. Let me, let me repeat that again. Spiritual warfare in its purest form is a counsel with a C-I-L, C-O-U-N-C-I-L, of the human mind by any other spirit other than the spirit of the Lord other than the Spirit of the Lord. So you must discern that the Spirit that is at work overtly or covertly. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. It is obvious that this son is neither having a fight with his father, nor is anyone pushing him out of the nest before it's time, 
before it is time. There is an internal spiritual struggle that influence the son's actions and giving in to that struggle caused his demise. So the same is true for us. Our warfare is not with human beings, but with the devil and his demons who propagate doctrines of devils, heresies, Luciferian ideologies, satanic philosophies, diabolical imagery. Our enemy Satan attempts to defeat us with strategy and deceit through well-laid plans and deliberately deliberate deceptions and manipulations. So all that, you know, is the foundation of deliverance almost, you know. So what is he manipulating our minds with? So that's why we hold these first and third Fridays is to remove those, or to understand what those manipulations are, how they got there, and to get rid of them. So, um, so some of the, the strategies, so we need to stake our claim over the battlefield of our mind. How do we do that? Uh, you must pull down your thoughts that do not qualify, one. Two, you must eradicate the strongholds. So a stronghold is a pattern, an idea that governs individuals, nations, and communities. They are mindsets, thought patterns, and processes that cause people to act, react, and respond in a particular manner contrary to the ways of God and godly lifestyle. So strongholds are things that you rationalize and justify, such as you may say things like, my whole family is like this. I can't help it. I was born like this. This is just who I am. Or everybody acts and thinks this way. Your rationalization and justification of certain thoughts, behavior, and attitudes form a stronghold. Strongholds can also be cultural entrenchment. So all successful deliverance must begin by first removing that which defends the enemy. In speaking of spiritual warfare, the Apostle Paul enlists the word stronghold to define the spiritual fortresses wherein Satan and his legions hide and are protected. So these fortresses exist in the thought patterns and ideas that govern individuals and organizations. So we must not allow the enemy to hide himself and his tactics within these fortresses. Every arsenal of the enemy must be removed and replaced with a mighty arsenal of the Word of God. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, I know you guys may know this already, but we can't, uh, we can't stress this enough because it is the word that liberates us. So here are several types of strongholds. I'm going to try to go fast here. You have your demonic and your satanic strongholds. You have your territorial strongholds. You have your ideological strongholds. You have your personal strongholds. You have your divine strongholds, just like uh, these are uh, strongholds erected by God. These are good. They protect the kingdom and its warriors. And you also have your military strongholds. So these are the strongholds that are put up by the army of God to protect itself from enemy fire. Anyways, three, you cast down 
imaginations. Four, you renew your mind. So, actually, yeah, four is you have to bring your thoughts into captivity. And then five, you must renew your mind. Okay? So... So where does repentance come in the picture? Repentance brings a change of mind. The mind is the greatest battlefield because our mind occupies a large place in our lives and our thoughts easily influence our actions. It is difficult to estimate how much of the world's philosophy, ethics, etc., cetera, um, flows from the power of darkness. But, uh, but at one point where we are certain all arguments and proud obstacles against the knowledge of God are the fortresses of the enemy. Okay, let me repeat that. All arguments and proud obstacles against the knowledge of God are the fortresses of the enemy. So we know that the Bible makes it clear that we have won the victory. We've all read the end of the, you know, end of the Bible. Um, victory over Satan and his evil kingdom through Christ, there is still a, way, a war waging for our souls. Therefore, we must be aware of who this enemy is and how he operates. So, um, so what is this kingdom we're talking about? The kingdom of darkness is, is a literal spiritual kingdom. Literal spiritual kingdom. It was instituted by Satan and a host of fallen angels. The satanic kingdom has a cosmo, cosmolo, cosmological system. The cosmology speaks of the dynamic arrangement of the universe and the world. God has given us authority and power to expose Satan's tactics and overcome his, his attacks. Satan has himself set up to be a god in the earth realm. Satan and his demonic cohorts, cohorts have the ability to oppress, possess, and terrorize humanity. So why am I repeating this? Because we forget. We forget. You know, we, we leave here. We hear the good news. We leave here, and then we go back home, and then we struggle. Why do we struggle? Because we forget. And it, it's good to be reminded. Uh, it, it, it really is good to be taught again the very basics. We forget. We go home. We're entrenched in our work, our families, and issues, and, you know, and contractors, and insurance, <laughs> all that stuff, and work, and bosses. So we have to be reminded. Um, so bear with me if, if, you know, if I'm repeating and talking to the choir, I think there are some here that needs to hear this as well to be reminded, the kingdom of darkness has a sophisticated economy. As with any other earthly kingdom, it trades and transacts business. Satan has built an entire evil empire by utilizing the most precious of all commodities, that is the intellectual properties and the very souls of men. The kingdom of Satan is a kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness is accessible to both spirits. Like 
our own worship of the Lord, worship of the Lord of our God, the kingdom of darkness also has a mode of worship. Do you know that? Just as your worship brings you into the presence of God, satanic worship will bring you into the presence of Satan. Remember, worship is not just an activity in a church or a synagogue. It also is a lifestyle you choose to live on a daily basis. It's a lifestyle. The kingdom of darkness can be experienced by both the physical senses and the spiritual senses. We both know that, or we all know that the spiritual senses are more heightened. They're more heightened. They're more powerful, and they're more... You, you pretty much have the senses that God has. Um, and we're working. We're all working towards that, right? So I say that to move on to this next uh the kingdom of darkness is an elaborately organized kingdom. They're well-equipped, ready to fight. So what are we doing? What are we doing to get prepared? So the following is a description of the kingdom of darkness. You have the principalities. You have the powers. You have the rulers of the darkness of this world. You have the spiritual wickedness, wickedness in high places. You have devils and demons. You have spirits of the underworld. You have spirit birds. You have spirit horses and horsemen. And these are all in the Bible, scriptures associated with this. There's familiar spirits. There's, and I'm going really fast here, um, there's unclean spirits. There's evil spirits. There's seducing spirits. There's archangels. And on and on. So Satan's names, Satan has a list of names, and they're all biblical. I'm just going to name them here. Uh, they're all scripturally. Uh, you have Lucifer. You have devil and Satan. You have Beelzebub. Uh, you have the adversary, Belial, dragon, serpent, the god of this world, the prince of this world, prince of the power of the air, accuser, the enemy, the tempter, the wicked one. So he's everywhere. So what's the nature? What's the nature of Satan? What's his nature? They're not human. They are evil. They're intelligent and wise. They're powerful. They're beings with personalities. They talk and communicate. They feel. They have knowledge. They congregate and fellowship. Yes, they go to church. They go to church. And they go home with you, too, <laughs> if you don't get rid of them. They preach doctrines. They have desires. They have a will. They have a will. So when you're fighting, when you're in deliverance, and they don't want to come out, that's the kingdom of darkness battling with the kingdom of God. They have a will. They can work miracles. They possess supernatural strength. They fear God. Oh, how they fear God. They have fear of God. They travel. They impersonate people. They know their fate. They don't want you to know their fate. They know their fate. They recognize those who have power over them. Let me repeat that again. They recognize those who have power over them. They are responsible for every evil known to man. So you ask yourself, now why in the world don't we have more deliverances? 
Why don't we get rid of these critters? So um, I, I say all that leading up to the, the part where um, let's let's kick them out. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Yeah, forever. Yeah, forever.